says, they seek me day after day and delight to know my ways like a nation that does what is right and does not abandon the justice of their God. They ask me for righteous judgments. They delight in the nearness of God. Why have we fasted, but you have not seen? We have denied ourselves, but you haven't noticed. Look, you do as you please on the day of your fast and oppress all your workers. You fast with contention and strife to strike viciously with your fast. You cannot fast as you do today, hoping to make your voice heard on high. Will, I, will the fast I choose be like this? A day for a person to, uh, will the fast I choose be like this? A day for a person to deny himself, to bow his head like a reed, and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Isn't this the fast I choose? To break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to tear off every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and homeless into your house, to clothe the naked when you see him, and not to ignore your own flesh and blood? What Israel was doing was fasting for their own desires. They were trying to get God to bend to their way of thinking. Kind of like when you uh, try to say, okay, God, I'm going to give, let's just say, let's just use money for a minute. I'm going to give this money to the church, but you better bless me in return, right? You're giving just for God, just for what you can get out of it, rather than giving to build the kingdom of God. That's what he, that's what God's response is. Listen, you don't fast just so, just for what you can get out of it. You don't fast just so I'll hear you and do what I want. You fast, we're going to find out why you fast, but you fast so that you can bring yourself closer to God. As I said, at the end of the service today, many of us will choose to enter into a spiritual discipline that goes back thousands of years in the history of the followers of the God of the Bible. It's a practice that has spanned both Old and New Testaments, the Old Covenant and the New. It's been practiced by widows. It's been practiced by unnamed thousands as well as many of the great heroes of the faith. At the end of the service today, we're going to begin a 14-day fast. This morning's message will be informative and educational about the biblical basis for fasting, what it is as well as what it isn't, and why you should fully commit yourself to the spiritual purpose of this fast. Listen, if you're just going to participate in this fast simply because this is something your church is doing, then you might as well just not participate because you're not doing it for the right reason. The challenge in a fast is to do it a spiritual fast, a biblical fast, is to do it for the right reasons, to do it to get, uh, to draw closer to God. Why do I challenge today our church to fast? Let me give you a, a little history. Our church is at a very important place in its life. As I said, our church was established in 1976. We used to meet. Uh, we, we moved up. Uh, my dad was called to, to start the church. And uh, we were met in the basement of a house on Hanson Drive over in uh, Indian Orchard, right down the street from uh, Louisa. Called her Jay back then, um, from Louisa's mom, uh, Loretta Gagliardi. It was her basement. And uh, we used to pack people in there, man. It was crazy. And in 1977, God led us to buy this property, and uh, we moved out here. And, and uh, for those of you who don't know, this is an old chicken hatchery. Now, this is a, the new auditorium. This was built in the early 80s. But from these doors on back is an old chicken hatchery. They used to raise chickens here. Okay? If you go out in the woods, that we, the, the part of the woods out here that we have, if you, I wouldn't advise this. 
okay? But if you dig down several feet, you'll come in contact with a lot of old dead chicken parts, okay? Um, they, the chickens were born here and then they were shipped off. Uh, and the Pelch chicken farm here was second in the country at that time only to Purdue. Uh, so the church started in 77 here, did all the, and expanded back as we uh, grew and took over more of the building. But over the course of time, um, the church has been up and down. Back then it was New Life Baptist Church. And it's been up and down. And we've gone through a lot of changes. But over the course of the last two years, we've seen something amazing happen here. Something that's never happened in the history of this church. Over the course of the last two years, we've seen our church grow over 200%. Going from a church of approximately 40 with attendances in the 20s and 30s to a church of well over 200 with an attendance of over 103 different, and, and then three different services in three different languages. Now, I will tell you this, that in the, in around 2009, 2010, we were growing really well. And I'm very transparent about this part of my life. Uh, back then, at that time, my first wife left. And the church asked me to stay. Uh, some of you were here at that time. and went through that very difficult time. Well, uh, unfortunately, my personal life bled over into the church. And it was a very, very tough time. And a lot of people left. And it took us down. In fact, we were our lowest Sunday, we had 19 people here one Sunday. And uh, we went through that difficult time. God blessed. Uh, gave us an, what it did was give us an opportunity to make some changes that needed to be made. To refocus and, and rewire the church, if you will. And, and get it to a place where uh, we felt it was, it was healthy and we had uh, systems in place that were workable for a church in this, in this time. We've seen the participation by our members soar, actually. It's gone crazy. And the spiritual growth in our members truly take hold. My goal as the pastor this year is not just to have people come to know Christ. Evangelism is our theme. Each one reach one this year. Uh, to see people come to Christ, to see people grow in their faith. But I want to see our, our people. Uh, if everybody that calls themselves a new lifer showed up on Sunday morning, we'd be having the broadcast in the fellowship hall because every seat would be full. We'd have an overflow. So we'd have to have two services. So my goal this year as the pastor is to lead our church into a place of... of um, um, consistency and commitment to being a part of this church on a weekly basis, every week being here at church. It's amazing what we would see. Now, as I said, we've seen participation grow, but we are just at the beginning of God, what God wants to do here. We're just at the very beginning. This is the infancy stages of this new uh, iteration of new life. Now there are inherent dangers in growth. The inherent danger in fast growth is twofold. First of all, becoming overwhelmed and therefore missing important opportunities to reach people and see more permanent spiritual growth, personal spiritual growth. And the second thing is growing complacent because we see the parking lot full and we see the auditorium filling up. There's, there's uh, one big thing we need to do this year. 
that we're going to be talking about at our business meeting at the end of the month, and that's expanding our parking lot. We've got to have more parking. We absolutely have to have it. If we're, if we're going to, we don't have near enough parking without the grass, and, and it's not going to be expensive. Don't worry about it. It's going to be pretty inexpensive. It's just going to put gravel out there so people can, pull, can drive out there. But those are things we have to do if we're going to continue to grow. And we are going to continue to grow. But make no mistake, as I said, we're just getting started. To put things into perspective, that sounds great. It really did. Listen, I've worked 16 years in this church to, to see this happen. So I'm jacked. I'm excited about what God is doing. But I know that this is just the beginning. And I'm excited about that. And I want to see this continue. But I also understand this. To put things into perspective, of the five Dunkin' Donuts within three miles of our church, each one of them has more than three times the amount of customers on an average Sunday morning than we have people in church. That's perspective. What that means is that there are literally tens of thousands of people within a 10 mile radius of our church that need to be reached with Jesus. Now, we have at least 10, I think it's like 12 or 13 different towns and cities that are represented in our congregation. And most of them are within that 10 mile radius, except for <laughs> Pete and Lori, who drive here from like Maine every Sunday, <laughs> right? They, they actually get on 84 and come through Stafford Springs to come to church. It's crazy. It's crazy. I, I, I love it. I appreciate it so much. But it, they're the outlier, literally, Okay. But most of us live within, our, our city or town is within a 10-mile radius of new life. And before we get ourselves all pumped up with the fact that we've grown so much and we're doing such a great job, and we are, don't get me wrong, I'm not meaning to, to beat us down or to make us feel bad or here, because we are. What I'm trying to do is give you the scope and the magnitude of the job that is ahead of us. Of, in those 10 at least 10, like normally 12, I guess it's really about 12 or 13, but we're saying at least 10. The total population of those 10 towns alone represented in our congregation is over 400,000. 400,000 in the towns that are represented by those who come to our church. Those numbers to me are staggering, absolutely staggering. 400,000 people, more than 400,000 people that live within easy driving distance of our church. The distance that you drive every Sunday and every time you come to church. As I've said many times, if new life is good enough for you, it's good enough for your friends and family. So we need to invite them. Over 400,000 people live within an easy driving distance of our church. You can see from these facts that we've come a long way. We truly have. And I do not discount that. I don't take anything away. I am so, I, I have trouble remembering everybody's names. We're seeing so many new people come in. I mean, a fact, aside the fact that I'm very old, but uh, we, uh, 
we see a lot of new people and, and, uh, and it's tough to remember everybody's names. But we've come a long way, but there's a long way to go. Truly is a long way to go. Now, that's where we all come in. That's where we all come in. This job is too big for one person. It's way too big for one person. This job is too big for one staff. This job is too big for one church. But the job isn't too big for God. This year, our theme, as I said, is each one reach one. And our focus is evangelism. The goal is to motivate, equip, and empower the members of New Life Church to get out and reach our friends, families, co-workers, anyone who will listen with the love and the grace message of Jesus Christ. And that challenge to grow and evangelize starts today with the beginning of our fast. That challenge to grow, evangelize, grow personally in your faith, to deepen your walk with Jesus Christ, to learn about your faith, to understand what your faith is all. Listen, can I, can I say this? I don't care if you, were, if, if you were born on the steps of a church and have been here every, been in church every Sunday of the life that you have existed on this earth. That does not equate to depth in spirituality. Just be, what's the old phrase? Just because you are in a garage doesn't make you a car, right? And just because you go to church doesn't mean you know a whole lot about the Bible and the God of the Bible. It takes a concerted effort on your part to learn and to dig down into what the Word of God says for you and how it applies to your life on an everyday personal basis. The challenge today is to begin today to deepen your faith. Whether you're at the very beginning of that faith or your walk has been going on for years. I'm excited about what God uh, has for me over these next two weeks. I'm excited about the growth. I'm excited about the growth in our marriage. The time that we're going to spend reading the Bible together and praying together and seeking God and finding out what he has for us. I've got two seven-year-old boys that need to learn. Every time I, I, I pray with them at night, I kiss them, I tickle them a little bit. Uh, especially under the day. You ever want to get Gabriel and Michael to laugh? That deep, hearty, fun kids laugh? Tickle them right here. Right under the chin. You have my permission. Okay? And, uh, but then I tell them, Gabriel, Michael, God has big plans for your life. And I can't wait to see what it is. And I mean that. And I can't wait to see what these two weeks on how they unfold and open up in my home, in my life, in my marriage, to see what God has next for my family and for my church. Man, these next two weeks can be revolutionary in your walk with Jesus Christ. But you have to do it right. You have to do it right. We're not talking about legalism. We're talking about the Bible. Maybe you're not sure even this morning that this fast is for you. Maybe you're thinking that it isn't the right time. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I'm sure some of you woke up this morning thinking, oh no. Right? Right? Yeah. Oh no. Some of you, anybody, I will ask you this. Anybody taking that drastic step to give up coffee for two weeks? 
Good. 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 I've done that before. Yeah. That's not smart, man. Not smart. And we'll get into why. Um, but you woke up this morning and, and it's like, you know, that was a really good idea last Sunday. <laughs> Today, I'm just not feeling it. Just not feeling it. D.L. Moody, an amazing evangelist who, who shook Europe and North America with the gospel of Jesus Christ in the late 19, uh, late 18 and hundreds and early 1900s, actually, um, uh, what are they up there in um, Northfield? Northfield Mount Hermon. Northfield Mount Hermon Academies, D.L. Moody started those schools. Um, they were schools to train young men uh, in, uh, in the gospel. D.L. Moody said this about fasting. If you say I will fast when God lays it on my heart, you never will. You are too cold and indifferent to take the yoke upon you. There's never, you're never going to be fully ready. You're always going to have doubts. It's always going to be a daunting task. And can I tell you, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a daunting task. Today we begin to fast as a church, a spiritual exercise as individuals in a body of Christ to get in touch with God in a deeper way to find out from him just what he wants us to do to begin or to deepen our commitment to the ministry of New Life Church. That's what this is about, folks. That's what this is about. It's about deepening your personal walk with Jesus Christ. But the reason I'm challenging you as the pastor to a two-week fast is so that you will not only deepen your walk with Jesus Christ, but you'll find out what God wants you to do to deepen your commitment to the ministry of this church. To deepen your commitment to the ministry of this church to reach the over 400,000 people within a 10-mile radius of this place that need Jesus. Before we jump into what a fast is, quickly let's look at what biblical fasting for God's purpose is not. Ed Cole said this, a fast is not a hunger strike. Fasting submits to God's commands. A hunger strike makes God submit to our demands. Okay, so a fast is not about, uh, is not about you getting God to do what you want him to do. Here's some things that a fast is not. A fast is not a diet plan, okay? Over the next two weeks, you know, so come on, let's be honest. So we're like, oh yeah, I'm going to give up sugar. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, come on. You don't have to admit it, but some of you stepped on the scale this morning, right? And said, okay, let's see where I am in two weeks. Right? Right? A fast isn't a diet plan. <laughs> I wasn't pointing anybody out, Emma, though. <laughs> Check this out. A fast is not about getting physically healthy. In fact, over the next two weeks, you might have some physical struggles. It might be tough as you, if you're giving up some kind of, a, uh, some kind of food, or something that you take in every day, you're going to notice it. But fasting isn't about getting physically healthy. There are medical fasts to go on for those purposes, but that's not what a spiritual fast is about. A fast is not for selfish gain 
or for other purposes that you want. It's not done to manipulate God into giving us our way. A fast is not a fad. I know a lot of churches at this time are, are, uh, are fasting. A lot of churches are into fasts right now. That's not why we're doing it. We're not doing it to join the crowd. Okay, the fasting, a fast is not a fad. And here's the last one. A fast is not a biblical command. You are not commanded to fast. This is a spiritual discipline that God says, if you want to get in touch with me in a deeper way, here's one way to do it. But he doesn't say you need to fast once a week. You need to fast once a month. As a church, you need to fast. This is a spiritual discipline that we have a tool, if you will, that is at our disposal as Christians that if done right will draw us closer to God. That's why I say this isn't me telling you you have to do this over these next two weeks. This is something you have to choose personally to take some deeper steps in faith with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, if you do it right, as I said, it can be revolutionary. Fasting is a spiritual discipline that is entered into for specific reasons and specific results. It's a time when a true and honest believer and follower of Jesus sets aside a specific period of time in which to abstain from a certain food or activity in order to attain a spiritual result. For those of you who have friends, or maybe you think, well, giving up an activity, giving up something uh, like, you know, the internet or something like that, that's really not a fast. Hey, Paul says to married couples, abstain from uh, intimate relationships for a period of time so that you can grow deeper in your faith with Jesus. So those of you who think that that's not a valid thing to fast, or that fasting from, from an activity is not valid, and you have friends that say that, point them to Paul. You know, it always kind of settles an argument when you bring the Bible into it. Okay? No. Now, fasting is a valid Christian action that is done in order to draw personally closer to God by growing in knowledge and faith. Fasting is done to break the chains of bondage for you personally or for another. Biblical fasting is a way for us to spend a specific period of time in taking our eyes off of the world, our schedules, our plans, our habits, etc. And fo focusing on the spiritual aspect of our lives, sometimes to provide a breakthrough for us with difficult issues in our lives. Maybe you are struggling with church. Maybe you're struggling. Listen, I know with over 200 people, in one congregation, I am not everybody's cup of sunshine. I know if there's three people in a room, I'm not everybody's cup of sunshine, okay? I'm, I'm a different cat. And I'm a different kind of pastor. And I see things in life differently. And I, I'm intense about certain things. And other things, I just don't see the folk, seeing the point in taking seriously. That doesn't, that doesn't fit in with everybody, and that doesn't meet everybody's different criteria. So maybe, okay, everybody, everybody pay attention real close to this. Maybe the struggle you have with getting involved here at New Life is because you struggle following me as the pastor. Right? Perhaps that is something that God wants you to deal with in your life. Maybe you struggle with some of the things we do, the philosophy of our church, or the way we do it. 
And that's a struggle for you to get involved in because, yeah, you want to come here and you, you like the people and you, you like some of the stuff, but you won't really invest yourself in it because you don't agree with everything. Okay? Maybe over the course of this fast, you will be honest with God and say, God, listen, I have some issues and I need you to help me overcome these issues. One way to really realize up front that you can overcome them is this. Not everybody agrees with everybody. And I'll just be honest, not everybody is my cup of sunshine either. <coughs> but we minister to get the job done for the kingdom of God. Now, we've seen what fasting isn't. Fasting is. Very quickly, we'll go through these. Fasting is, number one, fasting is scriptural. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus fasted before beginning his ministry, his earthly ministry. Fasted for 40 days. I find it very significant, too, that he, at the end of a 40-day fast, remember, Jesus, when he came down to earth, it, it's called the hypostatic union in theological terms. The hypostatic union. Jesus was all God, but he was all man. He still held his deity. He was still God, but he was God in the flesh. And when he took on the form of a human being, he also took on the physical limitations and maladies of a human being. So Jesus got tired. Jesus got hungry. Jesus needed sleep. Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. At the end of those 40 days, how many of you remember what the story says happened? What happened at the end of Jesus' 40 days fasting in the wilderness? Satan visited him. Satan came at him. And he tried to get him to give in to uh, to worshiping Satan so that he would be raised up. I'll make you the king of the entire, entire world. Turn these stones into bread that you'll have something to eat. Those of you giving up bread at the end of two weeks, you, you might just do that. I find it significant at the end of a 40-day fast, Satan attacked Jesus with temptation. What does that tell me about a fast that is done scripturally for a purpose of drawing closer to God? Satan's going to attack you during these two weeks. See, it's not an easy walk. It's not an easy procedure to go through. Satan is going to attack you and tempt you. He's going to make you, uh, he's going to, to try to make you uh, get irritable with people in your house. I'm going to try to make you get irritable with people in the church. And maybe the issues that you have with people or with the church or anything will bubble to the surface. And you're just going to itch. And I know none of you do this, right? But maybe, just maybe, you're going to itch to have a fight about it. And you're going to want to give somebody a piece of their mind, a piece of your mind. Before you do that during this time, my challenge to you is to spend time praying about it. Talk to God about your issue. See what he would have you do about it. Because usually if it's your issue, you are the problem. Okay? Can I just be honest about that? If it's your issue, you're generally the problem. I know. Probably doesn't work that way for you. It works that way for me. Okay? If I have an issue, usually I'm the problem. 
Daniel fasted in Daniel 1 in order to show God's power and his favor. Moses fasted in Exodus 34 when receiving the Ten Commandments. Israel fasted as a nation. We see it in Esther 4, Ezra 6, Judges 20, Joel chapter 1, many other places. The entire nation of Israel fasted. David records fasting several times in the Psalms. And Paul taught and wrote about fasting in both 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. So fasting is a scriptural principle a scriptural activity that those who want to draw closer to God have at their disposal and have at their access to get involved in. So we see that fasting is scriptural. Secondly, fasting is purposeful. Fasting is purposeful. Andrew Murray said this, prayer is reaching out after the unseen. Fasting is letting go of all that is seen and temporal. Fasting helps express, deepen, confirm the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything, even ourselves, to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. That's, what the, that's the purpose of this fast. As a member of New Life Church, if you're going to participate in the fast I'm challenging you to participate in, the purpose of this fast is for you to find what God wants you to either embrace. You ready for it? That God wants you to either embrace in this church or let go of about this church. So that you can deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ and get more deeply and purposefully involved in the ministry of this church. Man, we got a lot of work to do. Have I mentioned that this morning? We got a lot of people to reach. We, uh, we talk about this, this service on Sunday morning being Sunday dinner, setting the table so we can come together in fellowship as a family, the family of God. Well, man, if all these people are going to come over for dinner, don't you think we should get prepared? Don't you think we should get ready? Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3 says, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Minoan, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Saul was also known later as Paul. And they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work of which I have called them. Then after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. Fasting is purposeful. We see that fasting is purposeful, first of all, to ask for God's direction. When we fast, we need to ask God for direction. That's what we're fasting for. God, what do you want me to do? Which way do you want me to go? What do you want me to do about this? In my own personal life, I have fasted about making big decisions. God, what, what should I do? I'll tell you, can I be transparent again? Because I know, you know, one, one thing that, that God has blessed me with is restoring me after my divorce, allowing me to stay in ministry and to have a greater understanding of that, okay, of what divorce does and what divorce is like and how it feels to go through it, the difficulty. And what I, one, when I was going through that, when it, was, when it was inevitable to me, when I knew that this was just what it was going to be, I spent time fasting saying, God, please help me to accept this. Help me to accept this because I don't want it. I don't want to go through the pain. I don't want to go through the difficulty. I don't want to go through the heartache. Please help me to accept this. You know what he did? And because, because I did, 
Because I, I did it and tried to do it the right way. You know what God did for me? Boom. I have Aaron. Chew. That is, you have no idea the blessing that it is to have her. And you never will, by the grace of God, have to have have Aaron as your wife. She's mine. But but God, God blessed and restored my life and gave me an amazing blessing. And now we have two crazies running around our house that we get to, I thank God every day that I get to be their dad. Gabriel and Michael, oh my goodness. You see, when you do things God's way and allow him to restore you, fasting can help you connect with God and find his direction for your life. Second thing is to assess God's plan. By going through a fast and focusing on God's purpose in your life, you get a chance to assess God's plan. Here we see the entire, that an entire church leadership team fasted together for the purpose of confirming God's call on Barnabas and Saul. And remember, Saul, his name was changed to Paul. Paul wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament and was the greatest missionary in the history of the world. Amazing things that God did through the life of Paul. By the way, those of you who think your life has been too bad and God can never use you or God can always, God God will only use you to a certain point. Paul, (laughs) Paul, before he accepted Christ, was a murderer. Okay? A murderer. He killed Christians. Okay? He did it under the law. The, he, had, he had letters, but you may not have known this. Saul of Tarsus was the, most, uh, was the most dreaded man for the early church because he went around women, children, and men and took them and threw them in prison and had them stoned. Okay? Yet God used him to do great things. And thirdly, it's to access God's power. You want God's power in your life? You can access that by fasting. The third thing that fasting is, is sacrificial. And we'll go through these last two quickly. It's sacrificial. David Peach says, while a fast by nature is is inconvenient, it should be an inconvenience to you, not to those around you. Fasting should be an inconvenience to you, not to those around you. Jesus gives us a great illustration uh, in Matthew 6. He says, whenever you fast, don't be, I know I jumped a slide, I believe, but I'll go back to that one. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive uh, so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. This isn't a time to go and tell your friends, oh, I'm fasting. Oh, no, I can't have the cake at work. I'm fasting. I'm fasting. I'm fasting. Oh, I'm fasting. Okay, great. Super. Wonderful. Jesus. Yeah, thanks. Watch a lot of daytime TV. Listen. Listen. Jesus says, when you fast... Don't make it a big deal to others. This is between you and me. It's between you and me. Let's keep it that way. Let's keep it that way. It's between you and your heavenly father. Let's keep it that way. Because if what you're doing, if you're fasting so that other people will notice, well, you have your reward. 
you have your reward already. The 14 days that you're about to embark on are not meant to be easy. They're meant to be uncomfortable. Easy is not a sacrifice. Uncomfortable is. Easy doesn't draw you closer to God and his purposes. Becoming uncomfortable with your status quo does. Fasting shakes up your status quo. When done right, fasting will shake up your status quo. Listen, in Matthew 6, Jesus tells us that fasting can cause you to get out of sorts. It can cause you to get a little grumpy, get a little grouchy. It can cause you to get out of, cert, out of sorts. His challenge to us is this. Don't let it. Don't let it. Focus on the spiritual benefit of the sacrifice, not the discomfort and inconvenience of the sacrifice. Focus on the goal. Focus on what you're doing it for, not on how hard it is to do it. But make no mistake, if done right, you will feel the sacrifice. Lastly, fasting is beneficial. Ezra chapter 8, verses 21 through 23. Ezra says, I, I proclaimed a fast by the Ahava River so that we might humble ourselves before, God, before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us, our dependence and all our possessions. I did this because I was ashamed to ask the Lord for infantry, to ask the king for infantry and cavalry to protect us from enemies during the journey since we had told them. Here's the thing. Ezra is taking the nation of Israel on a journey. And he says... We need protection because it's dangerous out there. At the, it was dangerous out there at this time. But needing protection, I was embarrassed to go to the king and ask him to send along cavalry and infantrymen and protection for us. Why? Why was he embarrassed? That's, doesn't that jump out at you? Here, you're taking, you're taking families with you, man. You're taking kids into crazy places where there are people that mug you and jump you and will take all your worldly possessions and make you wish they, that they left you for dead. But he said, I didn't want to go to the king. Why? He says, the hand of our God, the reason is because we had told him, the hand of our God is gracious to all who seek him. But his fierce anger is against all who abandon him. So we fasted and pleaded with our God about this. And he was receptive to our prayer. Ezra was saying, listen, I could have asked the king to send protection. But I've told this king the reason we're going is because we need to follow our God who takes care of us, who will watch over us, who will provide for us, who will protect us. So I can't say on the one hand, I'm trusting in God and I have faith in God to watch over and protect us. And on the other hand, say, hey, king, can I borrow your army so we'll be safe? I would rather challenge my people to fast and seek God for his protection and his watch care as we go on this journey. I challenged Aaron with a question, something I'm really seeking. How does a church express faith with its finances? What can we as a church do? Because, let's be honest, sometimes we get desperate about the finances of our church. We are not a wealthy church. 
We don't have a, a store of money in the bank. We are literally a paycheck to paycheck church. We don't manufacture anything. We don't build anything. We don't sell anything. We exist on the, um, the, the free will gifts and offerings of the people that attend our church or watch us by Facebook. That's where we get our finances from. God has blessed and our bills are paid, but we don't have a, we don't have a cash reserve. So it's easy for a church to take the attitude, well, what I'm going to do is guilt people into giving. I'm going to hammer people about giving. And let me just say, truth, truth be told, if, if, uh, if the giving in this church went up, I would be able to like, collect a salary. It's easy to, feel, to, to try to make people feel guilty and say, you've got to give more, you've got to give more. Listen, that's not my thing. And I don't think that's the way we should run a church. I think I should trust God and say, God, would you grow your people to a place where they will trust? Listen, you put money in the offering plate. At the end of the service, we're going to take up an offering, okay? At the end of the service, we're going we're to pass the offering plate around, right? We're going to pass this around, and we say, here's your opportunity to give. Or if you want to give online, you can go to newlife317.com, and you can click on the giving box up in the left-hand corner. That'll drop down. You can give, and you can give um, safely and securely online. We're going to give you that opportunity. That's great. That's wonderful. It's easy to say, you know what? I need to really hammer people about money. I need to really jump on people about money. Because some of you, that's why you left other churches, right? One of the three biggest reasons people stop going to church is because all they care about is money. Can I tell you something? I don't care about your money. I really, truly don't. I don't care what you give. Why? Because what you give is between you and God not between you and me. Cliff, is, Cliff handles the giving. If you gave this past year, Cliff gave you a letter, right? I have no idea who he gave letters to. Do I? No idea. I don't know how much you give. I don't know who gives. You know what? I like it that way. I know what my wife and I give. The money isn't what it's about. What comes in in the offering isn't what it's about. What I care about is you being willing to trust God with every aspect of your life. And when you and God get comfortable enough, well, when you get comfortable enough to have the conversation with God about your money and how he wants you to use it and where the ministry of new life comes into play, then you can have that conversation and God will lead you to give as he wants you to give. Not as I want you to give. It's not about what I want for you. And I believe that if a church is going to express faith in its finances, it's going to do, it's got to do just that. Trust God to work on the heart of his people to support the ministry of his church. Because at the end of the day, 
at the beginning of the day, all through the day. This is his church, not mine. He is the one that blesses, not me. He is the one that will change your life, not me. Fasting is beneficial. Understand this. God will honor your sacrifice. God will reveal his plan. God will give you direction. And God will reveal his power. If you embark on these next 14 days with the purpose and passion of getting close to God and getting to know God in a deeper way. I don't care how mature you are in your faith. If you'll spend these next 14 days pursuing God, trying to get a hold of God and finding out what he wants for you, where he wants you to be, what he wants you to do in your life for this church, for this ministry, to reach the over 400,000 people who need him. I promise you, I guarantee you, God will show up. And I'll close with this one thought. If you have any doubt, in case you're thinking, well, this just isn't going to work for me. Consider this. There is not one recorded fast for God's purpose recorded in the Bible that led to failure. Not one. Not one, Antonio. Not one. We're praying about this Brazilian ministry. The thousands, the thousands, Flavia, Osvaldo, the thousands of people that speak Portuguese in this area, that have that cultural history, we're praying for them. I believe, I believe that if we do our part and leave it to God, God will bless and we might have to have two Brazilian services. Jeez. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, I might even learn more Portuguese. Right? Some Portuguese. <laughs> All right, I might learn Portuguese, period. All right? Osvaldo, I said, um, welcome. You can teach my boys how to play soccer. He played soccer in Brazil, so... That's my one trade-off. Yes, you can, you can be in our church, folks, but you have to teach my boys how to play soccer. Yeah. <laughs> Mommy and daddy need to send them to college somehow. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But listen, understand that. Not one fast, not one fast that was done for God's purpose in the Bible ever led to failure. This is it for you guys. This is it. God's got you. God's got your blessing. God's got, you, got his wisdom. God's got his leading for you. Are you going to pay attention and get in touch with him? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all you've done for us. God, thank you so much for the clear teaching of your word on so many different things. God, I want to thank you for this church. I, Lord, just being a part of new life is such a privilege to be part of a place where people just understand that it's just about being a follower of yours. It's not about anything else. It's not about the trappings. It's not about status. It's about following you and getting in touch with you. God, as we embark on 14 days of fasting, Lord, would you focus us 
on your leadership in our lives. Lord, it's going to be a sacrifice. It's going to be difficult. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But God, would you help us to see that difficulty as a means to an end? And that end is getting in touch with you deeper in our lives. Lord, I, I pray that you'll bless your people who participate. Give them courage, give them strength, give them leadership, and give them understanding, God. And may this church take a giant leap forward these next two weeks in serving you. As we go from this place, God, would you dismiss us with your blessing? May we go forward as worshipers, passionately, going through every open door that is there for us. In your name we pray. Amen.